0: Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, and this morning, uh, if you're here the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about tools in your bag, the important stuff that you need to go through life, and if you look at uh, Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, the, uh, the first verse uh, in chapter 4 talks about standing firm, the idea of of continuing on, of being faithful. Um, and he has given us some tools to stand firm, uh, of rejoicing, of not being anxious, of, of praying and, and all kinds of things, and to this idea of persevering. And now he's going to give us one last one, one last tool to have in our bag. And it's a very important one, the, the issue of the mind. Uh, The things that we think about. Uh, And this morning, uh, I'm going to challenge you to think about how you think. Uh, I know that sounds redundant and weird, but most of us, as we think our thoughts, we kind of think that our mind is something that just kind of controls itself. It just kind of goes with the flow. uh, You can't stop it, and you you can't do anything about it. It brings up things that we can't change one way or another. This morning, God's Word has something to say to us about how we can stand firm to the end, how we can continue to walk with Him forever. And so, uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And God's word says this Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. God, we thank you for your word. Uh, We ask that it would change our hearts now and it would cause us to think differently. Uh, God, help us now. Uh, So many of us struggle, probably all of us struggle here in this room with what we think about, and so we ask that you would guide and direct us now stir our hearts to uh, think and to beat alongside your own, uh, that we might love the things you love and hate the things you hate. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just one verse this morning, actually actually two verses this morning, but uh, very simple, but yet important verses for us. Important stuff. Uh, How... How many of you have thought crazy thoughts this week? I want to see a show of hands. Yeah. Crazy things, right? Crazy things. Um, these last years, uh, President Trump has uh, tried to uh, talk about how the media is spreading lies. And so, uh, so people have said, well, we're not going to believe the media. And then President Trump tells lies. And you're, you're saying, which lie am I going to believe? And how is this all going to work out? Um, I want to encourage you that this morning, uh, this is a tough one. This is a tough one for us because it challenges us, challenges us to not just take everything in. Don't believe everything you heard. Uh, Even don't believe everything you think, right? Uh, Don't believe everything that you believe, right? Uh, This is a challenge for our own hearts and I want to encourage you that, um, you know, I, I said that about President Trump and our media, but there's also could be someone more dear to you. It could be your best friends are spreading lies to you. Uh, it could be people that are uh, you talk with every day that aren't helpful to your own soul. And this idea that you would, that you would really... Uh, Think through the thoughts that come into your mind, the things that you dwell upon, the things that you allow to sit with, the things that you go to bed with at night, and they're the last thoughts of your night, the things you wake up with in the morning, the thoughts that you have. And so uh, this morning, we want to submit our thoughts to the Word of God uh, as we begin. In verse uh, 8, it says, finally, brothers, Uh, it's interesting that he says finally brothers but then he's going to talk about something very specific to you personally Um, it's not a group project but it has group implications and one of the themes as you think about the book of Philippians is unity in the church and I want to encourage you again I want to say it again uh that your relationship with God, the way you live, the way you talk, what goes on in your home, impacts this believing community right here. It does. It does. It's not just your own stuff. Uh, we looked a couple of weeks back about these two ladies uh, who were disagreeing and. For the record for eternity, these ladies got named and they are called to agree in the Lord because it was important for the body, for the body of Christ in Philippi. And I want to encourage you. I, I want to instill a bit of fear in you. That your attitudes, your thoughts, your words, your actions have implications beyond yourself. Um, I, I want to tell you, your thoughts can ruin your marriage. Your thoughts can set up your kids for failure in the years to come. Your, your uh, thoughts of dwelling upon slander and gossip here in our midst, that can ruin what God is doing here. Not in a sense of eternally, no. But it creates divisions. And so as we look at this, he says this. He starts off this, this incredible verse passage of... The things that we think about, he says, finally, brothers. And and really in the book of Philippians, he's he's carried on this idea of brothers over and over again. I think it says it eight times in the book of Philippians, brothers, brothers, brothers. It's not that long of a book. Why? Because we have a family relationship. How? Because of Jesus. We have a family relationship because of Jesus. We are tied together. Um you, some of you shared a room with siblings growing up. And uh, it's brutal, right? It's brutal because uh, if you want to have a bad attitude, you can't get far, right? Uh, it's just the other bed. Uh, some of you did the bunk bed thing and you, you know, they were just right up here or right down here. And how do you get away when you're, you're squabbling? It, it's not, it, that's what families are meant to do. Not squabble, but the idea that they have to get along. Why? Because the family's more important than whatever offense and, you know, we need to work those things out. And so he starts this passage by saying, finally, brothers, finally, brothers. He, he comes to the end. Uh, if you look at verse one, it kind of uh, it's kind of a how do you stand firm? And then he goes about and talks about these ladies and then he gives us some tools And now he really gives us the final tool in the list. He gives us that final piece of how do you stand firm? How do you keep going? What is it to live as a believer in Jesus Christ from here until he comes back? How do you do it? And this is what he says. He gives uh, us some things to remember about our thinking. He says this. He says, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It gives us a list. It gives us a list of things to remember as we're thinking. Now, before we go on to this list, I'm going to try to give you de- definitions of these words so it would be helpful for us to think through I want to tell you, um, a lot of times uh, we look at what it is to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, and someone will say, well, what, what should I do? What should I do? What, what are the things you do to be a Christian? Uh, what, what's the list of things that I need to do? Maybe you came from a church where they had a list of things that you do, and then you're right with God. But it's interesting to me that in the book of Philippians, as Paul's working through it, he ends uh, really in a critical point at the end of this letter. He says, I want you to think differently. I want you to think differently. I want to give you a quick overview of the book of Philippians. Turn back to chapter one. Paul, throughout the book of Philippians, was talking about thinking, thinking differently. And I want to encourage you this morning that maybe it's not that you need to act differently; it's that you need to think differently in your inner man. That what's going on inside of you is the problem, not just what's coming out of you. <laughs> what's coming out of you is showing on showing what's going on inside of you, and that's the problem. Uh, so we need to change the way we think. If you look at uh, Philippians chapter one, you'll you'll see that. Paul talks about his own imprisonment. He's been imprisoned, and he's thinking about his imprisonment, and he's going, my imprisonment, me being thrown, you know, taken off the streets, my freedom gone, uh, probably house arrest in Rome, that this is good. This is good. He was thinking about that this is good. Why? Because it caused the advance of the message of Jesus, And he was thinking about his own predicament, and he realized as he thought about it, his heart had been changed. It just wasn't bad for him as the idea that uh, it was good for the advance of the gospel. Um, He uh, he talked about at the end of uh, chapter one, he says, to die is gain. He's thinking differently about his life. This isn't an issue of things he's doing, but he's thinking uh, even to... uh, Think about his own death and go, oh, I need to think about my death. You know, my death is gain, is gain. You go to chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 2. Paul calls uh, his readers, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Once again, he's focusing on the inner man, their mind, that they would come together, that they would have partnership in their own hearts with one another. This isn't about doing things. This is about a change of heart. In doing that, uh, you look down at verse 3. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves, right? Count others. What is that? Think differently about others uh, so that that would be a change there. And then he says in verse 4, Let each of you look not to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That because of Jesus saving your soul, that there's something going on inside of you in the heart, in the heart and mind that would change the way you act, the way you view others. Moving on uh, to chapter 3. Paul says this, uh, he's thinking about his previous life. He's thinking about the things he he did uh, as a Jew. And and he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. What is he doing? He's thinking. He's counting inside. He's doing the math in his heart and he's seeing it is different because of Jesus. And uh, then skipping down to verse 13 He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward at what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained are you starting to get this? This idea of the inner man. He's thinking about himself and he's thinking about his life and the things that have gone on. And he is doing some heavy thinking and, and making sure he's counting it to be true. The things that are true he is camping upon or dwelling upon. And uh, looking at the plan of God in light of that. We looked at in previous weeks, verse 7 in chapter 4, it says, In the peace of God, this is last week, In the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guarding your mind, right? The issue for you this morning is what's going on in your mind. What are you thinking about? What, what is it that uh, occupies your time? What do you allow in? And to find residence in you. Well, what is it that you're staring at? What is it that you're dwelling upon? What is it that you're daydreaming about? What is it? And what do you allow that to be? Um, what really is going to happen in this verse is God's going to give us a filter, He's going to give us a filter. Um, some of you like to joke about losing your filter. Uh, don't lose your filter, right? And may it not be your filter that you're losing, right? Uh, God's giving you a filter, not a filter for your mouth. That, that will help too, right? Uh, but I want to tell you, the filter for your mind will instruct your mouth, right? Uh, because your tongue is connected to your heart. Uh, there's a song about it or something like that. No. Uh, but but the idea is that if, as we filter what goes into our heart, our mind, or the, the inner man, that will change what comes out of uh, our mouth. Super important for us to think through. And so he gives uh, us a list of whatever's, if you can say it that way. Whatever. Whatever. And... What this is, it's meant to be a principle for you to apply. I think so often we like uh, step-by-step instructions that are simple and we don't have to think. This is a thinking passage. And he says, when you hear things or you dwell upon things or you read things or you're exposed to things, whatever they are, they should be like this. And he says it over and over again, whatever, whatever, whatever. And so we want to go through those words, that list this morning, the things to remember about thinking. The first in his list, and I would say it this way too, it's our mind diet, our mind diet, okay? The first thing on our mind diet is whatever is true, whatever is true. Uh, Some of the words that kind of define that is that which is dependable and real, dependable and real. Now, as I think about that, often uh, we don't care that things are true. (laughs) We don't don't care. We'd rather them be helpful than true, right? There's helpful lies that you believe. Think about what they are. Uh, Think about the way, some things that you believe that are true. Kids do this all the time uh, when they uh, are, you know, out on the playground or something like that, and they go, "I'm the best. I'm the best dodgeball player in the whole school. I'm the best," and they pump themselves up, and so h- hoping that that would somehow encourage them to be the best, or that it just sounds fun to be the best. It's not necessarily true. Uh, this is this is probably one of the difficulties of the self-esteem movement in the last 20, 30 years is you were encouraged to tell yourselves things that weren't true to somehow elevate yourself in your own mind. Whatever is true, whatever is true. And so in our minds and hearts, as we uh, listen to the news, as we talk with one another, as we uh, have conversations in our own mind, we should be asking the question, is it true what I'm thinking right now? Is it true? And you say, well, wh- what does it matter? I want to tell you it matters because if you, uh, your heart believes something to be true that's actually a lie, it's bad. Y- you can make decisions based on that. Um, I want to encourage you... Uh, the word of God is true. The word of God is true. It's dependable. And um, when you find things to not be true, it should make you suspicious of everything, right? Uh, when, you, when you see on the news and you, you realize something's not true or maybe you hear someone share a lie, it should cause you to think, I need to be careful, that I don't believe something, that I don't dwell on something, that I don't think about things that aren't true. God's Word warns us about that. That which is true. Really, the idea, that which is true, opposed to that which is fantasy, right? Fantasy. Uh, I would ask uh, yourself, just even as we're going through this passage, are there any fantasies that I'm believing in right now? Are there any things that I, I like and enjoy? I have friends that believe the same thing. Uh, you know, is there something that I'm believing? It's just a fantasy. It's not rooted in reality, but I enjoy it. Fantasies. He says, first thing, whatever is true. Second thing, whatever is honorable. The idea of honorable is serious, dignified, majestic, worthy of reverence. It's the idea of of something to to be pursued, right? It's that something that we look at and we realize that it it is something to be honored and and go, that is a good thing. This is opposed to the idea of something that is shameful, shameful. And I want to take a step back here and say this. This is the word of God, right? And so we're going to get into this thing Uh, as you walk through life, that uh, I believe it to be true. I believe it to be honorable. Someone else says, well, I I don't think it's true. I don't think it's honorable. And how do we decide what is true and honorable? We're going to go through each one of these words, and we're going to ask the same question. How do we know what's true and what's honorable? Well, uh, there has to be a final authority, right? Do we do it by popular vote? (laughs) That's a bad idea, right? Because what if everyone's wrong? What if everyone's deceived? What if everyone comes up with the wrong answer? Or what if we have competing answers? And I don't agree with you on what's true and what's honorable. How do we decide? I want to tell you, there's one that sits on the throne. The God of the Bible. The God of the Bible who we're constantly looking back to, we're constantly asking, God, what do you think about this? What does your word say? What have you instructed us? How do we know? Uh, At times it takes fervent prayer, right? When we don't know. But he calls us to whatever is true, whatever is honorable. Thirdly, whatever is just, whatever is just. uh justice that's a tough one right what is justice everyone every generation seeks for justice right especially the young people and they hate hate the idea of injustice in our world and uh there's this drive that we're gonna fix it we're gonna fix it and we're somehow gonna find it uh the problem with justice is so difficult is sometimes what's just for one is not just for the other. And my justice and what I desire uh, comes in direct conflict with you getting justice. And so how do you decide what is just? How do you, you know, is it about laws? Is, once again, is it about the popular vote? No, justice is what God decides. <laughs> It's for him, justice is that which is in accordance with God's standards. I want to encourage you to read God's word over and over and over again, to, to hear it, to think through how He brought about justice in the Old Testament and the New Testament as well, to think about the cross of Jesus, that that really was the one act of justice, right? That Jesus went to the cross that he paid the penalty. He brought about justice and righteousness, not for himself, but for us. And so for us to submit to that which is just and for us to pursue us dwelling upon that, what, whatever is just in the eyes of God. Number four, he says, whatever is pure, whatever is pure. The idea of purity uh, is that which is innocent and clean, as opposed to the filth of this world, right? What's wrong? What's wrong with things in this world as you see them? As you think about teaching your kids and your grandkids, what's wrong with that? It's filthy in the eyes of God. It's not pure. It's not something that would bring him honor, right? And so the idea of us pursuing and dwelling upon things that aren't pure are, are a danger for us. God calls us to to not dwell on these things, but to dwell on that which is pure, innocent and clean number five whatever is lovely, whatever is lovely uh, the word lovely it's interesting that really this whole list I think there's uh, eight words here when you when you go through the this second part as well but Um, I think four or five of these words are really the only time in the New Testament Paul uses these words. They're not common words. And this word lovely is the idea of to bring pleasure or to be attractive. And and you think about that, and I, I was thinking about those words, pleasure and attractiveness. Most of the time when we think about those things, we think about those in terms of sinful, shallow, selfish, right? But it's the idea that uh, God's uh, desire, that which is pleasing to him, that which he is designed to be attractive uh, in his beautiful creation, that's what we should dwell upon. It's not what that is, uh, is perverse and selfish. And you, you look at, there are things that people would look at and say, that brings about pleasure. That's something I'm attracted to. But if it's sinful, that's not what it's talking about here is that which is lovely in the eyes of God. And number six, whatever is commendable. Similar to the previous word, that which is kind and likely to win people. The idea that people would look upon that and say, that is good. And that their opinion of that would be God's. That God, as he looks upon uh, someone's life and the things that they're doing, the things that they're saying and saying, that is commendable in the eyes of God. He says two more things in this list, um, more umbrella terms. He says, if, any, if there's any excellence, if there's any excellence in it, excellence in the eyes of God, as he looks upon that, is there anything good in there? Is there anything worthy of praise? Worthy of praise. It's interesting here at the church, uh, from time to time, uh, we highlight different things that are going on in the church. We even highlight people from time to time. Not to bring glory to them, but we want to highlight what God's doing in their life. It's worthy of praise. And and we want to reiterate that, right? You do it with your kids all the time. When they, they do something that's right and good, what do you want to do? You want to laminate it, right? Keep it forever, You want to point that out, circle it, highlight it, and say, do it again, do it again. Uh, This is what he's saying. In in the eyes of God, as God looks upon our lives, the things that we're saying, the things that we're talking about, find those things, find those things, and may that be the place of your thoughts. Which brings us, uh, in verse 8, just this simple thing at the end of verse 8 it says think about these things. Other translations dwell upon these things. Stop here for a while. Stop here. I want to encourage you that you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this. This won't come naturally. I asked earlier how many of you had crazy thoughts this week and I got a majority of hands. A few of you didn't raise your hand. Uh, maybe you didn't hear what I said, or maybe you just didn't want to talk about it. You just didn't want to talk about it. Um, uh, as we look upon this, this is going to be something that we need to do. And, and if you can picture yourself on the road of life and and you come across something, you're, you know, I don't know if you travel the way I travel, but like uh, we, we've taken a few trips as a family, one across the country and, um, you know, you feel like it's like a race or something to get the next destination. How quickly can we get there? And how many cornfields can you see between here and there, you know? And, and you go, I just got to get there faster. I just got to get there. But as you see something, as you realize there's something, you say, I got to pull off. I need to stop here for a while. That's the picture of our mind. When we find something that is of God, when we find something that is good, he says, this is the spot to stop and think. There are places to blow through and not give a second thought to, but there are places to stop and to dwell and and reside. Put put your tent there because this is an important one, okay? This is the place for my mind to reside for a while. Think about these things. Let your mind continually be here on these things. I think of... uh, the last years, there's been some diet books or a website or whatever that says, eat this, eat this, not that, not that. And really, that's the idea of the diet of our mind, right? What is it that we're supposed to be thinking about? And what is it that we're not to be thinking about? Not to be thinking. So some of us, um, even as I'm, I'm sharing this right now, some of you are thinking right now, you're going, oh, that's kid stuff. You know, that's important for, like, elementary kids to, you know, uh, they shouldn't watch dirty movies. But I'm an old person. I can watch dirty movies. That's dumb thinking right there. Okay? It's dumb. Uh, if you think this is just kid stuff, I want to remind you that there's no, there's no place uh, in the book of Philippians where it says, this is a youth book. This is for the teenagers. Right? Doesn't say that anywhere. It's written for the church. For the church. And so it's written for you. Even if you're older than me or younger than me. That's everybody. Um, Eat this, not that. Think this, not that. And There's a reason not spoken of in this passage. Remember that this comes after verse 1 that says stand firm. And this is the way to stand firm is to be thinking. But why is the mind such a big deal? The mind is such a big deal because your conduct and my conduct will follow our thoughts. Your life will come out of your thoughts. In Proverbs chapter 4 it says, keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life. Your whole life comes out of what you think. What you're thinking inside will determine where your life goes the things you say, the things you do, the things you pursue. And if you made a mess of your life, uh, it's not just changing what you do, it's changing what you think. And maybe it's a change of diet and that needs to happen. In verse nine, and we won't spend much time here this morning, but uh, ties up really this whole section. And it says this, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Paul places uh, a premium on uh, continuing on in the same way. And uh, there's this beautiful thing that Paul reiterates, especially in the book of Philippians, is that, You have a model. You have a model. Paul is your model. He calls himself a model. Not because he is a great man or even an apostle, but that God has given him some things that he is to pass on to others. Some of you might wonder this morning, why should you be a part of Bear Valley Church? (laughs) That's a great question. That's a great question. Uh, You you might think to yourself, well, I can hear better preaching uh, on my iPhone. That's true, you can. There's better uh, study materials than we'll ever, ever have here. But what you need here is other people and models that are walking with you and before you. The idea of you're seeing it in human flesh, that you are uh, encouraged by seeing it in other people's lives. As we do what God wants us to do, we are an example to one another. And so Paul calls them uh, to listen to the writings. Uh, his teaching, uh, the book of Philippians, what you have seen, what he has taught, uh, and practice these things, receive it, hear it, uh, see it, and practice these things. And then what does it say? Uh, and the God of peace will be with you. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. And so I, I want to tell you that one of the things that the the people at Philippi, the church at Philippi, were, probably struggling with, is they're going, man, I heard all this stuff. It's so hard to do. And that last part where he says, think about these things, man, that's the, that's the most difficult thing for me is to, to change my thoughts and to really uh, have that filter on that comes from God. How do I do this? And he says, well, just do it. Just walk with him. Just put one foot in front of the other. And God will be with you in the midst of that. That life won't be perfect That it all won't turn out as you wanted it to. There's plenty of things that will catch you off guard. But you know who will be there with you? The God of peace. The God of peace. And uh, this world is not a world of peace that's good enough for you to depend on it. You need to depend on the one that he promises his presence to you. The God of peace. Well, this morning as we uh, conclude our time in this, this particular couple of verses, I want to give you seven things to remember. You say, how am I going to remember seven things? Pick your favorite, okay? First thing, uh, first thing, your mind matters. Your mind matters. Some of us think that it doesn't matter. It does matter. It's critical. It's critical what you're thinking about matters. Your mind matters. Number two, this is not what God calls us to Uh, your mind matters. Second thing is this. Uh, These are not, uh, as we think about this, there are things that you should not think about. There are things that you should not think about. I put that in the negative because it's very important for us to not see our mind as God himself well, I just can't stop thinking about this. You need to tell yourself, stop thinking about this. You need to say, this is not, this doesn't, isn't defined in the filter in chapter four of the book of Philippians. There are things to not think about. And it's critical for us to grab hold of that and to say, I shouldn't be thinking about this. I shouldn't be dwelling upon this, Okay. Very important for us to say, reject it, to reject it, to say this is something I'm not going to think about. Number three, number three, what we're talking about here this morning is not just positive thoughts or vibes, okay? It's not just positive thoughts or vibes. You can find positive thoughts and vibes everywhere, Um. I remember uh, following, I've seen this sign a bunch of times. It just says, life is good. Life is good. And I'm like, oh, that's a nice thought. That's a nice thought. Life is good. Life is good. I, uh, we were up in, uh, we were trying to plant a church north of San Francisco in Petaluma. And that was the first time I'd seen that sign. And it was real close to an area that had a, um, a memorial uh, to a girl that was abducted and brutally murdered and all kinds of things. And the town was marked by it. And in the midst of that, I said, "Wow, well, life is good. Life is good. And I'm going, what? Life is... <laughs> Positive thoughts and vibes, right? I, I want to tell you that this isn't what God has called us to there's some extremely ugly things in this world right now because of sin. Uh, awful things. You, you hear them every day, and I want to tell you: in the midst of us living in an ugly world filled with sin, He calls us to not just dwell on happy thoughts, but on that which is true. You know, that that which is noble. That's things that are commendable. Things that are lovely. Right. These are the types of things and we need to find those things in the midst of ugliness and fix our minds on them. Number four, um, there's a difference between passing thoughts and ones we dwell on. There's a difference. Uh, I'd like it. I'd like it if we had no ugly thoughts and we never saw anything that was bad. I like that a lot. Well, we will. We will. And for us to just keep moving, keep moving until we find that which we should dwell upon. There's a passing thought and things that we park and we camp and we feast upon purposefully. A different, there's a difference between passing thoughts and ones we dwell on. Number five, to remember this, that ungodly thoughts become ungodly actions. Ungodly thoughts become ungodly actions. I want to tell you that um, most of the time in the news, we just see the aftermath. We just see the what happened. We see terror and we see um, people losing their minds and going about and doing horrific things. We hear of uh, just ungodly things. And I want to tell you, most of the time, they just focus on what happened. But if you could trace that back, God tells us this, it's very clear that ungodly thoughts become ungodly actions. You've got to connect that. Uh, you, you've got to be careful with that in your own homes with your kids and your grandkids to remind them that this isn't just what we're doing, it's what we're thinking. Number six, uh, to remember uh, that this, is, uh, this has implications beyond yourself. That f- what's bad for you is bad for others. And what's good for you is good for others as well. If you're married right now, it's critical for you. It's critical that you don't dwell uh, upon that which is ungodly. Why? Because it will affect your spouse. And you say, how? All kinds of different ways. It, it, it will affect. And you know what? If you're a mom or a dad here this morning, uh, you can't be thinking crazy sinful thoughts. You, you can't dwell upon those things. You know why? Because it affects the next generation. The nuts don't fall far from the tree, right? Forgive me for calling you nuts. Uh, um, it's critical, It's critical for us to think through that this has a community implication. Most of the time we think of our our thoughts as selfish, like like I can think whatever I want to think in my mind, and that's okay. It's not okay because it will hinder your marriage. It will hinder your kids. It will hinder your church. What's bad for you will be eventually bad for others. What's good for you will be good for others as well. It'll grant unity in your home. It will be healing words that come out of your mouth from a heart that's dwelling upon what uh, He has given you. And lastly, number seven, I just want to remind you that you're commanded to control your mind diet. You're commanded to do so. Uh, God wants you to do it. He commands you to do it. He wants you to obey. Obey. And you know what? It's going to be great for us when we obey him. It's going to be great for us. The benefit is ours. He he says, this is important for you. This is your mind diet. You need to place this filter and filter out that which is not good for you. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being able to have your word and uh, God, for you to input into our lives and your spirit to work in us now. I pray that we would not forget God, it's easy to hear your word and then to say, yeah, I'm, I'm off my day doing whatever I want, whatever I did before. Uh, God, I ask that your word through your spirit would transform us now, change us in our inner man, that that which is changed on the inside will come out in actions that honor and glorify you. God, if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, who um, hears these things of, Uh, the filth of their own mind and which all of us struggle with and uh, a needing of a Savior, the one uh, whose name is hope, the one whose name is salvation, the, the one whose name we receive peace with God, that God would be with us. And God, if there's anyone here, I ask that you do that work now. Draw them to yourself. God, thank you for this morning. Do your work in your church. Help us to honor you in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.